There's a blame game going on about defence spending and the length of time it takes for anything to actually be delivered. And when is a promise not worth keeping? These are just two of the many issues bedevilling Australian politics. Laura Tingle is with us, Chief Political Correspondent with 7.30. Laura, good evening. Hi, Tracy. How are you going? I'm very well, thanks. Now, what is it about defence expenditure? It's a realm where, to the mere layperson, everything seems to cost so much, and yet there's always a problem with the product, whether it's the right sub or whether it took 10 times longer than it should to be delivered. Look, uh, there's there's so many problems, and I've got to say, it may strike you like it strikes me, uh, Tracy, as being fairly repetitive, uh, because it always seems to be the case, doesn't it, that the costs blow out and they are astronomical and beyond comprehension, and then we get these sorts of sort of, sorry, fairly stupid numbers being mentioned like we had today where, you know, if you can, if you add up all the delays, it adds up to 97 years, which is basically a fairly, you know, ridiculous <laughs> sort of number. Um, look, they are massive projects. They're incredibly complicated. Uh, there are lots of components of them. Costs blow out. All of those things are true. I suppose there are a few parts of what's happened today. The uh, Albanese government's come out and said, oh, well, there's a cost blowout of about $6 billion. Um, and, you know, the frigates in particular, you know, they are very, there, there are big questions about that project and how much it's been delayed and blown out, um, just as the submarines probably would be if they were actually being built. But, of course, they're not. Um, but I think I've got to say I smell a bit of a rat on this one, Tracy. Uh, first of all, we know that, the government is trying to sort of change the conversation around the budget, as you alluded to in your opening remarks. Um, and when you actually looked at what Richard Miles, the Defence Minister, and his Assistant Minister, Pat Conroy, had to say, it was all... It was just... There was a, a little... A, a few too many references to the former government's problems, one, and that it was all the former government's fault, which politicians say about each other. Uh, but I thought that the, the real giveaway was that they said, oh, we're not blaming the Department of Defence or the defence industry for this. Really? I mean, seriously? <laughs> this is one area of government which has not been completely uh, uh, deconstructed and um, pulled apart by uh, governments who want to privatise everything and, you know, contract out advice. They rely on their defence bureaucracy. The defence bureaucracy has managed to keep control over these sorts of projects. So, of course, they should be responsible and accountable for it. Um, and so as soon as the new government is saying, well, it's not defence's fault, you say there's a little bit too much politics in this. If, if they are going to introduce a new series of measures about independent you know, reporting offices and all that sort of stuff, that's all really great, but uh, to suggest that it's somehow only the uh, political leaders who are responsible for this and not the massive bureaucracy that is supposed to be running it and which we're paying them to run is, uh, is a little bit red hot, I think. Mm, it's, it's a difficult area, though, isn't it? Because I heard the Defence Minister, Richard Miles, say this evening that we're experiencing the most complex and challenging set of strategic circumstances since the Second World War. And Correct. so you mm. can't imagine it ever getting any cheaper or, or any cost-cutting so no, to speak. Mm. It's, it, neither of those things can happen. And of course, it's one of those areas where it requires an exceptionally high level of uh, detailed knowledge of these areas and the history of these projects, which invariably tends to be 
uh, impossible in politics, especially when you turn over your defence ministers quite a lot, as the former government did. So, I mean, I'm not saying that there, there isn't any reason for the former government to be sort of in, in the gun, so to speak, uh, f over this, but uh, you, you, it's pretty hard for a, a, a person from outside the defence establishment to come in and work out exactly what's going on. And as you say, it's only going to get more complicated uh, as, uh, as time progresses and uh, as our relative uh, sort of defence spend actually increases. Laura, much has been said about whether the Labor government would step back from their promised tax cuts and now, of course, have announced that they won't. But this issue has been quite a test for the government, hasn't it? It has. I think um, in some ways, once again, it's about trying to set expectations for this budget, Tracey. And if <laughs> I, think, I think there's a, a couple of things going on here. One of them is, without a doubt, the government has been trailing its coat uh, trying to get people talking about these stage three tax cuts and whether we can afford them, uh, whether they're well targeted, whether there's a better way of spending the money. Now that's been going on for some time, but it was really about a week ago that uh, the treasurer, Jim Chalmers, started talking about the what had happened in the UK with those uh, tax cuts for very high income earners, which uh, basically caused a bit of a, a financial meltdown in the, uh, the UK and which uh, the trust government was uh, humiliatingly forced to uh, reverse. Jim Chalmers' argument was you can't have fiscal policy, that's budget spending, running in the opposite direction to monetary policy. That is, you can't have uh, an expansionary budget when monetary policy is raising the cost of money to uh, slow the economy down. So Jim Chalmers was sort of making that point and saying, well, we can't do the same in Australia. And there was a lot of code in that, which was, you know, these tax cuts aren't a really good idea given where things are going. Now, the question is, did they actually ever intend to announce in this budget that they weren't going to go ahead with the tax cuts? It's not clear to me that that was ever going to happen. Um, the tax cuts are two years away. Um, there's a lot of discussion to be had about if you're not going to go ahead with them, what are you going to do instead? Uh, you might have to say, well, we're going to do this, but we're going to make it an election issue um, that, you know, you'll have to vote us out if you think we've uh, let you down, all those things. But journalists started to get a, a little bit excited because, it, frankly, it's a little bit quiet in Canberra at the moment. It all escalated. If you look at the underlying statements that Jim Chalmers and Anthony Albanese were making, they haven't actually changed very much over the last <laughs> five days, but the emphasis uh, and the interpretation of them has. But without a doubt, it's uh, certainly the case, I think, that they're not going to announce that they're going to dump the tax cuts in the budget uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But I don't think you should assume that, that they uh, are going to go ahead as planned in 2024. I think there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before we get to that point. Laura, let's take ourselves overseas now and uh, in Ukraine. We've heard reports this evening that have been emerging in the last few hours that uh, mm. Kiev has been attacked by Russia. Um, Australia had already ramped up its military aid and the government is said to be increasingly worried about what Putin might do. Mm. What are you hearing with this regard? Look, um, everybody has been anticipating that there would be some sort of reprisals for the um, explosion on that bridge in um, in Crimea uh, over the weekend. Um, so in some ways, it's not completely surprising that this has happened. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I think we're sort of, at, at, there's a couple of interesting things 
and we're at a bit of a crossroads, obviously, because, um, you know, the, the, when uh, Vladimir Putin um, annexed those various parts of Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainians had two choices. One of them was to sort of just pause for a moment. Um, the other one was to just keep going. And they, you know, they've really been sort of goading uh, Putin by launching attacks into those areas, which of course uh, are now regarded by Russia as their own. So they're sort of saying it's an invasion, plus this bombing of the bridge, which was clearly designed to humiliate uh, Putin. I think the concerns of course are now, um, uh, Zelensky, the Ukrainian president has upped the pressure not only on Vladimir Putin, but also on the West by applying for NATO membership um, there is certainly concern now from a, a lot of our alliance partners that um, about that that he's uh, that he's sort of escalating pressure in a move which could potentially divide NATO between the east and the west. And I think there's also concern, obviously, about uh, tactical nuclear strikes by Vladimir Putin and Russia, but also about other forms of attack, Tracy. Things like biological warfare. Um, which are pretty scary. Um, so I think there is concern. Obviously, Australia has been escalating its um, commitments to, to uh, Ukraine as other countries have. But I think, you know, it's there are now a whole range of issues um, at play here, and a lot of concern about how this uh, how this is going to play out. Not just in terms of these pretty um, uh, devastating. Uh, attacks on uh, Kiev and other major cities um, in Ukraine um, in the last few hours. Yeah, and I guess the, the difficulty in all of this is that, you know, there's a lot of guesswork involved, isn't there? And you've almost got to look at every single aspect uh, to know, you know, to have all of the bases covered. Um, look, I, I want to pick up on something that you said earlier, that it's been a bit quiet in Canberra. <laughs> and so, you know, people use all sorts of um, tactics to spur conversations in the directions that they may want to go. Mm. And I have noticed this um, with the new government that has come in, and I'd like your perspective on this. Mm. Has much changed? Is it is it a different um, sensation in covering this government? Have they taken a step back? Have they tried to cool the pressure? Because you just got the sense last time there was a, a conference a day, a doorstop every 10 minutes. There was mm. always something happening. Nobody, including the journalists, could could catch up with themselves, if you yeah. know what I mean, and it kept yeah. them setting the agenda. Has that changed? I think it's changed um, r remarkably, and I think it's changed for the better in a lot of ways. You know, that they are letting the debate run about the voice. Uh, they are letting the uh, debate run about tax cuts. Now, that means that sometimes it's not going to be pretty for the government. Uh, because you do get these expectations building that they aren't in control of. Um, but, I mean, it's a democracy and we should be discussing ideas. We should be open to hearing different perspectives and different points of view, not just making political points. Um, and I think you're right that we got into this real regime where there'd just be an announcement a day just to keep things ticking over, as they say. Uh, it was purely, it was very, very political um, and uh, inevitably that sort of tends to happen with governments. But I think it has changed and I, I suppose that's sort of what's interesting about this defence and tax cuts debate in the last 
uh, in the last few days in particular that we've sort of seen quite transparently this sort of attempt to change the discussion about things, um, but not not necessarily working completely in the government's control. Um, somebody said to me last week from the government that, well, we sort of, we, you know, we did set the hairs running on this idea of the cautionary tale from the UK, but we didn't think it was actually going to take off quite as fast as it did. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, uh, th- th- there is a risk of that, uh, but I think the advantage of it is hopefully that th- that government actually ultimately uh, feels an obligation to explain what it's doing, um, to to take us into their confidence, which is certainly not something that the previous government was doing by the time it left office um, earlier in the year. It it really was just sort of saying, this is what we're going to do and it's it's going to, you know, don't you worry about that and, and here's another bright, shiny thing to distract you all. Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent from 7.30, thank you. Thanks, Tracey. G'day, potties. If you can't get enough of Canberra politics and your missing Fran Kelly, head to The Party Room, the podcast where Fran and RN Brecky presenter Patricia Cavallis unpick the week in politics. You'll find it on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>